even the best software, it reflects your workflow and you need to understand your workflow. It won't work for you. It doesn't manage a project for you. It will not go and sit in someone's office and explain to them why they owe you money. Call back to the previous episode, or maybe you know, two episodes ago, team tasking. If you're not managing your project, your project will manage you. Welcome to The Critical Path with Mary and Jason, a podcast about business development, company culture, and loving the place you work just a little bit more. Are you doing your LinkedIn? Nope. What are you doing? I am I'm managing my projects with my new PM software, my new project management software. Oh, is it good software? It actually, I hate it and it makes me want to kill my life. Kill your life? Yes. You're, you're me furiously pounding on this software. You're, you're really doing it. This. It's managing my projects. Is it? Yes. Can you get any data back out of it about how your projects are going? Uh, in CSV. <laughs> CSV. I can get a CSV file out. I can actually export it, but only as an audio file. I can export it as a Friendster audio file. A Friendster audio. Yeah. Friendster style audio. Yeah. My accountant can't figure out what to do with it, though. Right. Nor can my project team. Well, that's a problem. It only costs $10,000 a month, and it's cutting edge. Sounds pretty cutting edge. It is. It sounds serious. I am bleeding out thanks to this <laughs> cutting edge of your PM yes. software. Yeah, but but I'm doing it. I'm all in. The, do they have professional trainers that they send out though? Oh yeah, they, they're here right now. They, yeah, they're here. They're watching us like on the screen. <laughs> yeah, they're like webinar in. They're webinar in. They're with us now. They were with you when you took the book. <laughs> So this is episode 45, and if you haven't guessed from Jason's terrible dad jokes, oh, it's so good. We are talking about project management software. Yep, it is a hot button issue for me. And <laughs> it, it gets seems really like, mad about it. Yeah, it's it's a divisive topic. This is perhaps dividing our country more than anything else. Ooh, I don't know that I want to go there. <laughs> I don't think I want to go there. <laughs> so. The truth is, I think, the biggest problem that happens with project management software, and we're going to talk about a lot of the, the sort of bits and pieces the and details, yeah. but the truth is project management software is not a substitute for project management. So many times we'll work with folks who they'll hire people out of college and they are project management, uh, what PMP certified and uh, they have project management degrees and construction management degrees and they pick them up from the college and they drop them into a desk with a computer and they have project management software and they say, okay, go manage the projects mm -hmm. and they don't have the slightest clue what it is that they're doing. Yep. So one of the things that we like to say is, first of all, you should be able to manage an entire project beginning to end with nothing but a yellow notepad and a pencil. Mm -hmm. 
Then pencil is key because you need to be able to erase. Things. There's going to be a lot of erasing, yeah. and yeah. then you should never do that. Yeah. As soon as you know how to do it, software is going to be a better deal for you than doing it with a notebook. So if you don't understand the fundamentals of what it takes to manage a project and the important pieces you need to watch, no software will take the place of understanding what you need to manage. So you should be able to manage a $100 million project as a general contractor or you know, $50 million project as a, as a subcontractor um, with fundamental lessons and a notepad and a pencil. And that's not to say it would be light or easy Super to do hard. that. It would be a pain. Yeah. But it, you should have the principles that would allow you to do that. And we will think that there's a new software that comes out and it requires people to know less to be able to successfully mm -hmm. manage a project. You just put anybody in and they can just click the buttons and be able to make this thing work. Look at it. It's, it's a report in CSV. <laughs> what do we do with it? I don't know. But there are a lot of graphs. Well, and so much of the time when Jason goes in and starts coaching, then what we find is people who feel that the software has them covered until we start asking questions about the projects and asking questions about the numbers. And we realize that it's none of it is data that this project management software will give us access to. So almost every project management software program has some significant failing in the way that it's put together. And when you ask the questions that kind of verify the gut check of the health of this project or the trajectory of this project, if that project management software cannot answer those core questions, then you are in dangerous territory because basically you're not managing your project. Mm -hmm. You're relying on uh, computer code and whoever put it together to manage your project for you, therefore, no one is necessarily managing the risk of the project and so, you don't have the ability to gut check mm -hmm. to know whether or not your project is on track. So this is like when you go to the fast food place and they can't <laughs> ring up a burger if the register isn't working. I'm sorry, right. you can't have a hamburger. If there's not a burger button, then you, they can't do it. You literally don't know how to make a hamburger. You literally can't take You can't cash. make change for $5 yeah. and they're like, no, I don't know how much it is. Yeah. Right. right. It's that is that is project management when we run from the software too uh -huh. too heavily. Yep. And there are a lot of risks with software, but we'll get more into that shortly. So the truth about software and the thing that a lot of people don't recognize about software is that uh, people. This think, is the nerd alert. Yeah, it's it's going to get a little nerdy, guys. I'm sorry, but I mean. You probably knew this about me, so... <laughs> There's no Lyra this week. No Lyra, just software. Uh, so all software is built to reflect a particular workflow. And there is no standard workflow that's all just the same that all software is drawing from. Mm -hmm. So every piece of software is going to work a little different. Mm -hmm. So if you don't... It's based on the author. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have a process in place that's very well defined, if you're kind of shooting from the hip running your projects, that software is going to feel unintuitive and hard to make use of because it's trying to force you into the shape of a particular process. So this is almost like a cookbook. So you could have the same recipe, but it would be prepared in five different ways. Mm -hmm. The way that you go about the workflow of putting that, that recipe together, it's going to be different based on which Nana you had. It's true. Right? Absolutely and, and true. And one Nana would tell you that the other one is off her rocker and or his rocker, whatever it is, uh, that, that it's problematic. And so understanding the reasoning behind the workflow is critical to any 
software that you're using, yep. even, even down to email. Yeah. And even if you have a really systematic workflow in place and a way that you're doing things, when you try to use that software that uses a different workflow, it's going to feel unintuitive and hard to work with. It feels unnatural too, because you have your own natural mm-hmm. flow for how you mm-hmm. have been managing projects up to this point. Yeah. So if you've ever tried to work with software and it just feels like it doesn't make sense mm-hmm. the way that, that the information moves through the system, that's because you're working with software that's expecting a different workflow than the one that you're working with. But they never share what that workflow actually should look like. No. And they're often not really capable of that, which we're going to talk about that a little more in a bit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so then what do we do? So we're working in this system mm-hmm. that the boss or the company has implemented, and, and we can't quite get it to do what we need it to do to get out what we need to. And so people start using the software in weird ways mm-hmm. where it's like, well, we just upload files to the letters section of this <laughs> software, uh, but that just makes sense for us because right. that works with our workflow. Or we'll run the report and then wipe this out with a, a paint software. Yeah. And then uh, copy that information and paste it into this Excel worksheet. Yep. And now we have it clear as mud. Yep. So if you've ever seen that scenario, when we start working around the intended workflow of the software, the software serves us a lot less and it stops making sense. And it could be that if you worked in the workflow that was intended that it would be better, or it could be that your software is just a piece of garbage. Yeah. Because that is possible. Yeah. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. The, the, um, interesting thing is that that the procurement of that software is super valuable and we'll talk Mm -hmm. about that here in a minute Um, but the difficult part is that the people who are writing the software that you're using typically don't know much at all about construction Mm -hmm. software engineers and construction workers aren't it's not a super overlapping venn diagram yeah so there are are a whole lot of similarities between project management with software Mm -hmm. and project management with respect to construction. They're cousins in the Mm -hmm. way that they operate, but they, in a lot of ways, couldn't be more different. They're they're different animals. Mm -hmm. So either you have a team of programmers and either they just assume that they can come up with a good workflow for that software just guessing. They're like, I have a general idea how things are built, right? (laughs) In their mind. Yes. Yeah. And they're thinking with programmer brain, which is a different thing. But programmer brain is stereotypically introverted Mm -hmm. and construction brain is stereotypically extroverted, Mm -hmm. right? They're working with their hands and building things in real space. Yeah. It's a different process. And, you know, if you are part of the construction world, you know that it behaves a little differently than other industries. For people in the trades, this is like saying that architects and uh, constructors think the same way. Right. Right. They are different animals and Mm -hmm. we recognize that. They're both important, Mm -hmm. but we need to recognize the differences and understand where there are gaps between the two. Yeah. So then sometimes a software company does the right thing, does the good thing. They do their due diligence and they go out and they find a super high performing PM Mm -hmm. to consult. Yeah. So now they have someone who understands the industry, industry, someone who's successful in the industry, who can tell them how to build this software. Mm -hmm. However, often the judgment call there is how successful are they at their projects? If the what is P- their profitability? Like? Yeah. So if the PM you bring in to consult mm-hmm. is a cowboy, if he's like a shoot from the hip, kind of play it by ear kind of project manager, he'll think he's got a lot of ideas about what project managers need, but they're 
going to ultimately be a bunch of pieces that don't fit together in any kind of integrated system, mm -hmm. any kind of integrated workflow. It's going to be what makes sense to him, what bits and pieces fit the way that he's doing things. And I'm going to say he because... It is stereotypically always It is usually he. probably a dude. And if we're saying he, uh, in the, the PM who is overly profitable, mm -hmm. working with a software company that overly stereotypically hires men. Mm -hmm. um, yes, it's probably yep. a he. It's probably a he. Yeah. And so ultimately then, again, what we get is a piece of software that has all of these pieces that don't really make sense together and don't really have a, a workflow that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So we need good programmers because without them, then the software just doesn't work well. Like, I don't know, QuickBooks Online. <laughs> <laughs> or there are a whole host of homebrewed uh, pieces of software mm -hmm. that that subcontracting companies have written for themselves mm -hmm. and then turned into a software business. Yep. So they're not coders by trade, but basically they kind of taught themselves a little bit or knew a guy. Yeah. And then they didn't have a great workflow, but... They turned into a software company. Yeah, and you would be amazed at how many software companies that I have worked with mm -hmm. who they don't understand software as well as they should. Or technology in general. I mean, we're spoiled here living by in Microsoft. Seattle. And yeah. people can roll their eyes at Microsoft, yeah. but Microsoft knows how to turn out a piece of software. Yeah. They just do. Yeah. So Wait, we, I, can't, I can't use my OneNote right now. It's updating. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's updating because apparently there's a go cry baby virus. Yeah. Loop back door. Well, Microsoft's going to take care of it, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> aren't they, Jason? So we need good programmers. It's important. And actually, part of that whole process that's completely separate from this conversation is we need good UX designers. So UX is user experience. So if you've ever used that piece of project management software where there are like four different kinds of buttons mm -hmm. on the screen and different menus in different places, and yeah. it makes no sense how you get from one piece of the software to the other. I'm going to throw shade at a software called ESUB. It has 12,000 possible reports that you can run. Mm -hmm. There are so many 12, reports. 12,000. That's actually the jetpack. I actually sat there and counted all of them. Mm -hmm. uh, but that software, it, it does a lot of different things. 11,000. The, the, yeah, the, the UX in that software is terrible in that it's very difficult to find what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. And and. It gives me a headache just trying to use that software. Yeah. So, and that will happen. And if the software functions very solidly but doesn't make any sense, mm -hmm. there's no good path, then that's good programmers and bad UX because mm -hmm. you need both of those teams and to missing, be strong. And missing workflow. And missing workflow. <laughs> right. So... Well, and that's what I was just getting at. So, first, we need good programmers and good UX. That's yep. just the software side. That's any piece of software. Yeah. And we need construction experts to help understand the construction workflow and people who understand process and systems yeah. so that we can make sure that all of those bits and pieces of that construction process all fit together into like a living, breathing system it's and process. It's a machine that actually works. That actually works with its own other parts. It's like having a, a car designer that doesn't understand engines, mm -hmm. that doesn't understand U.S. regulation, mm -hmm. that doesn't understand sales and marketing. Like if you're missing any one of those pieces, mm -hmm. you are hurting. But software is kind of in this unique place where if you sell 
project management software, it's enough of a buzzword and mm-hmm. people need enough help with it and there are enough dollars there and they don't, don't bite at anything. And they don't always understand what they need or what they're looking for. Yeah. So, so then we go with the big thing, right? Mm-hmm. Well, so, so we need all of those different people mm-hmm. in the room and then what they need to do is actually sit down and design a workflow. Right. And then once they have that, then and only then can you write a piece of software that actually makes sense. And again, the truth is many of these little fly-by-night companies, that's not what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They're just kind of cobbling something together that works and then tossing it, it out into the market. Get it to market. Yeah. And again, there are actually few enough of these tools that even work that really if you can get a piece of software stood up and moving. If it's tablet friendly. Yeah. Yeah. Then you can sell it. Yeah. So then what? We should go with enterprise software, yeah, right? Procore. Procore. Yeah. Because that's the big money solution. Yeah. And I will tell you that it's likely, I don't know Procore and how they do, mm-hmm. but it is likely that they're working from actually a workflow mm-hmm. that has been designed yeah. and, and that they have all those people because they're the big guy and they know how to do it. And I'll tell you that all software has missing pieces. Oh, absolutely. Don't sue us, Procore. Just because... Just because they had all the right people in the room doesn't mean that they built a great product. Mm -hmm. That's, I think, the worst part is you can do all of those things and still just build something that's just not that great. Mm -hmm. You knew the right stuff. You just weren't that good at it. This is like the uh, zombie uh, analogy where you don't have to be the fastest. You just have to not be the slowest. Mm -hmm. So. If you're a lot of folks will go the enterprise route and dump a bucket of money into super expensive software Mm -hmm. and they're looking at the software as the solution to fix their their lack of project management understanding Mm -hmm. and they'll they'll go with those enterprise level outfits. But many times they buy products that are way too big for what it is that they need at that time. And then, you know, they'll say, well, we'll grow into it. Mm -hmm. But the problem with buying software that you hope to grow into is by the time your company grows and changes to that extent, you don't even know if that's still going to be the right tool for you. Mm -hmm. So what, 13 years ago is the first iPhone? Mm -hmm. What's changed in that amount of time? So are you really hedging your bet for that far in advance by picking this enterprise level software that you're not going to fit into yep. uh, for another decade. Yep. And many times the tools are heavy enough that it actually takes longer to onboard those and mm-hmm. you suffer because the tools are too big. Yep. Right. So this is like buying your, your graduation uh, jeans when you're a <laughs> two-year-old and you just leave them laying around. Right. That is what you're going to wear That's every day. That's what you're doing. Until you grow into them. Mm-hmm. So then... In talking about how to find the right software, Mm -hmm. uh, I think the hard part here is it's not ever going to be the easy fix that people want it to be. So in in this era of of, uh, information, and there are so many options that are available, just like music, right? Just Mm -hmm. like news, just like information. Um, the, The real value anymore is not access to that information, but it's the procurement of the information. How do you select it? So we had an episode that was, do you have a recruiting problem or do you have a culture problem? Mm -hmm. And it's the same idea with software. That was episode 25. Episode 25, recruiting problem or culture problem. And so in the same way with software, you can't separate completely software and workflow. Mm -hmm. So then the question is, do you have a software problem or do you have a workflow problem? And 
So the first method of finding the right software is if you kind of know that you're really doing a lot of shooting from the hip, you're really playing by ear. Cowboy management. You are you are just managing however you see fit mm-hmm. uh, for each person on the team. Then you can choose to pick a piece of software that looks good, get a feel for its workflow, and then start building your own workflow to match the workflow of the the product you've chosen. The out-of-box software. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And only once you start actually working that way, then and only then should you actually bring the software in and lay it on top of that workflow that actually already works in the Mm -hmm. right way for that. So the challenge for this is it can be really hard to take a piece of software you've never seen before and get a good feel for what the process is that that wants to drive a project through. Um, And unless you understand that software really well, you need to have the ability to sit down with that demo software before you make a big purchase and really understand it well enough to say, is this the workflow that we want to use? Mm -hmm. Does this piece of software even have a workflow? Because sometimes it doesn't really. So when we vet software for companies, we're, we're, kind of grilling the the demo folks who are trying to sell the software. And I'll ask the construction questions and Mary will ask the workflow questions and the technology questions. Mm-hmm. And we pull out answers or lack thereof out of these folks and we quickly cut to the chase of, if we implement the software, where are the roadblocks? Well, but it's not just even talking to the team, but mm-hmm. some of it is actually from downloading the software and sitting there and putting it through its paces. So we're actually looking at uh, going with a new accounting software right now. And there are... Take that, QuickBooks. Yeah, fucking QuickBooks. (laughs) (laughs) So... Edit. (laughs) Or not. So there are three different accounting softwares now that I have downloaded and put all of, like not all of my data into, but a data set, a test data set into and and move the pieces around and look at how it works and look at what it does and what it doesn't do, mm-hmm. because that's important. Uh, and the trainers can't always help you because that is another whole different skill set. Yeah. Are they good at training or are they good at software or are they, are good, they good at, at construction? construction? For someone to properly be able to train you at a piece of software for project management, mm-hmm. they should understand construction, project management, and the software, and how to teach people things. Mm -hmm. All of those things. It's a very difficult skill set to find in in one person or even in a team. It's true. It's true. So, uh, So that's a tough process, but it is one way that can work. Method one. Method one. So method two, and this is the way that I would, I would recommend that most people do it is you take whatever process that you actually have, whether you have just a few pieces of your process or nothing at all, or you have already like a pretty decently implemented process going, uh, and you're going to capture that using, so we've been talking a bit lately about OneNote, which mm-hmm. we really like OneNote, but it doesn't have to be OneNote. Uh, it could but be a yellow notepad. Yeah, but we're going to talk about we're going to talk about it right now in terms of OneNote just because that's an easy answer and it's a free piece of software. Mm-hmm. So you're going to take that and you're going to capture it using something like OneNote where you can have tabs for your different forms that you need to tap for safety. You can have a tab. Daily reports. For daily reports, yeah. for weekly reports, yeah. for project information, for vendor information. So you're building out your workflow. You're building out your workflow. Mm-hmm. And you're building this over time so that you put together a template and then you run a couple of projects and then you realize it's missing some forms and you realize there are some forms we're not using at all. Mm-hmm. And you keep changing this like a living, breathing document, a living, software. breathing piece of software. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but, it's, then, but it's a demo version. 
Mm -hmm. And then you can, once you feel like you have a, a notebook that's really working, a template that's really working, then this is your prototype to kind of help you understand what your software needs to look like. So just like the Nanas that we had mentioned before, every Nana has their own workflow. Every every Nana has their own best favorite way to build a project. Mm -hmm. And in the same way, every construction company has their own way that they prefer to deliver projects. I think the Nanas don't have their best way to deliver a project. I think Nanas have their best way to make like... My birthday cake? Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. I never got it. I make you birthday cake. I know, but you're not my Nana. Fair. <laughs> Fair. So basically there are three parts of any piece of software. So there's what, and this is actually, this is my own term. I'm, I'm not going to use a software term here. Instead, I'm going to call it the workflow layer because this fits with what we're talking this about. This is like nerd safety. It's like we're in the, the nerd envelope. We're protected from the nerd speak. It's true. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm using some nerd speak, but we've got the workflow layer. Shh, they don't know. That. So the workflow layer is the kind of the element of the software that is, what does it do? So if we're creating our own project management software, what do we want it to do? What do we want it to manage? So this is like Jason has all of these like massive Excel sheets mm -hmm. that there's all this stuff going on all over the page and it's it's cranking through all the numbers and it's doing all this stuff to manage things for you. Like 400 uh, character formulas. formulas. Yeah. So it's, it's very hard to interact with and very hard to understand, but it's doing all of the right work. Mm -hmm. This is the workflow of what... What this is, this is the part that we are able to start with in OneNote by building out just that workflow and that's it. So these are the things we do with regard to safety. These are the things we do with regard to tracking our subcontractors. RFIs. This is the information we collect before we mobilize a project. Yeah. That's the workflow. So then we have what actually in software they refer to as the presentation layer. So this is our user experience, our UX. So with this OneNote, is the pretty stuff. this is the pretty stuff. Yeah. Uh, so with OneNote, you can actually start building that in mm -hmm. over time where you start, instead of just having a bunch of text in a page, you have tables and you have pretty shading to make what, it what look like forms yeah things yeah things that are bold things that make it easier to direct your attention to the places yeah. where you need to work with it it's not just about it being aesthetically pleasing but about helping understand what you're supposed to do with this and then finally there's what's called the business layer and the business layer is what's actually doing the work, what's actually processing the numbers. So These are all the gears. These are the gears. So this is, uh, I built a project management tool that went through and for every time that you processed a change, it would go through and figure out what's the overhead, how much are we going to charge on this change for safety and tools yeah. and all the different markups and all these important pieces of information and then would crank through and figure out what does that do to the overall profitability of the project. Mm -hmm. So... So we have good visibility of the trajectory of our project. Mm -hmm. and, and this is something that is relatively simple to create that many project management software solutions don't provide. It's true. But the point is, so the business layer is, is what's actually going to crank through and do the math for mm -hmm. you. So this is the part that uh, technically OneNote doesn't do. Mm -hmm. So you can have Excel sheets that live inside of OneNote, yeah. but this gets nested and complicated. Yeah. The truth is OneNote will help you capture your workflow, but it doesn't really have an engine. You can't put code behind OneNote. Mm -hmm. So 
you would use this tool in order to track everything, even though you're actually doing a lot of it still manually. It's not actually spitting anything out for you. But you're sketching out what your workflow process looks like. Right. And once you get to the end of designing that template in OneNote, then now you have a model and you understand exactly what your software needs to do, Mm -hmm. what numbers you want it to crunch, what you want to be able to understand, how you want to work with it. And now when you start looking at other pieces of software, it'll give you kind of a basis for comparison to say, well, if I look at this project notebook and and what I did here, where would I put this data in Mm -hmm. this software? Or how would this software track this thing that I'm Mm -hmm. trying to track? So that you have kind of good questions to ask. And finally, if you have the right budget, if you were going to go the enterprise route and pay a bunch of stupid money on a piece of software you don't need, you could take that OneNote notebook to uh, an indie developer Mm -hmm. who now you have a workflow for them to base it on. You have a UX, a prototype already built Mm -hmm. and say, build me this. And they can take that and build you something custom. With the business end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They can build in the business layer because you've already built them a workflow layer and a presentation layer. Mm-hmm. So they can just build a business layer for you and a programmer can do that. Yeah. And, and then out of that, you get all of your reports and you get your automation. Mm-hmm. And voila, you have a piece of software that actually helps you manage your projects. That you actually use correctly instead mm-hmm. of like trying all to these workarounds. save reports as audio files. Right. But it still will not manage the project for you. It, even the best software, it reflects your workflow and you need to understand your workflow. It won't work for you. It doesn't manage a project for you. It will not go and sit in someone's office and explain to them why they owe you money. Call back to the previous episode, or maybe no, two episodes ago, team tasking. If you're not managing your project, your project will manage you. That's true. I thought you were going to go back to the ruched butt yoga pants. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> No, no, no. So, what's our jetpack? Oh, uh, 12D1000. 12D1000. Yeah, ESAB has 12D1000 reports, yeah, but it's 12D just hashtag 12D1000. 12D1000. You can spell, spell it however you want to. It, it's, you know, subject to interpretation. Yeah. We're open to that. 12D1000. <laughs> 12D1000. All right. You can find us. You can find us. At www. Not, on, not at Emerald City Trapeze Arts this week. I mean, maybe. Well, maybe. Maybe. We'll I don't know. I might have to look at the, the calendar. There's a Lyra class on like Tuesday nights. That, With Roosh boot? No, I will not wear ruched butt yoga pants. <laughs> you can take that to the bank. You can write it down. I will not wear ruched butt you yoga pants. You almost did. I didn't. Almost. No. You'll be hidden under your dress. No, you almost ordered them. That doesn't mean I almost <laughs> wore them. <laughs> You can well, yeah, wait till the next episode. You can find us uh, at www.thecriticalpathpodcast.com or at www.arcadewayfinding.com. You can find us at www.westseattlecorporatecenter.com. I don't know if that's a website. It's it, possible that it's it is. It's not, but you can just come check us out. And I don't we're think here. we're listed on that website. In, in real life. Well, right. So you have to just tell them to come to West Seattle Corporate Center. Yeah. Just you look can at give the them directory. a false web address. At, oh, go ahead and buy it. Uh, you, <laughs> you can find us at... Stop telling me to buy new web domains. <laughs> you can find us on... Uh, notmyproject.com What's not your project? The project that we're managing here or not? Are we managing a project? No. That's why it's not our project. The software is doing it. 
No, we don't let software manage our projects for us. We manage our projects. Okay, hashtag not my project. I don't know. Not my project, not my problem? Mm, I don't know. That seems like... It's like the subtitle of project manager. Project manager, hashtag not my project, not my problem. But then if it is their project, then that would assume they think it is their problem, and that's not always the case. You know what? The software was managing it for me. I wasn't responsible for it. So it's hashtag, it's the software's fault. Yes. Blame the software. (laughs) Blame the software. Why not? It's true. You can find us next week for our Thanksgiving episode. Mm -hmm. It'll be good. Watch for it. Check it out. We're going to talk about giving thanks and how it is a complicated process. Oh, it's kind of a hot topic. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Strap you might in. you might get some rants. Get your jetpacks in on over next week. Under? Under? Through? It feels like you'd want a jetpack under you, right? Cuz then like it could <laughs> lift you up and you could fly like right under that ruched butt, you know? Ooh. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Roost butt leggings <laughs> on my screen. You ready? Official scrunch booty boost. Scrunch booty. The boost. number one scrunch butt leggings. Scrunch buddy. There's scrunch butt leggings. Booty boost. Booty boost. Joy shaper. <laughs> Shape your joy. Booty scrunch leggings. Still going on with the boosh. Doesn't that mean mouth? Boosh means mouth. These are ruched. Oh, they're ruched. Ruched butt. I can see how you would make a portmanteau of those two words. (laughs) Yes. What is is a uh, ruche in French? Uh, Is that a word? It probably is from French. Mm -hmm. What does ruche mean? Uh, Well, ruched is like when you take fabric and like basically if you like... It's got to be like a word. It's like scrunch. Port, it's a portmanteau. Well, no, a portmanteau is different. It's actually an onomatopoeia. Ruched. Yeah. <laughs> Ruched. To gather, ruffle, or pleat fabric used for trimming or decorating garments. Or booty boosting. A la Wikipedia. What is butt lock? Let's do this. This probably gets to go on the end of that other episode as <laughs> outtakes. I just gotta remember it's here. Full rooster. Rooshed. You like that Allison Chain song? So wait, one more search. Rooshed. Etymology. <laughs> From French, rouche, literally beehive. Looks like a beehive. I don't really understand why it's like a beehive, but you know. Well, okay. Gotta make some accommodation. Booty. Booty, 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 booty. booty. <laughs> <laughs> we ready? I think we are. <laughs>